Welcome to The Space Between, the middle path between East and West, psychology and spirituality, high performance and inner peace. Hi, and welcome to The Space Between podcast. I'm Clint Monfort, as always, here with Katie Cheadle. How's it going, Katie? Good. I'm ready to do this today. Yeah, so today we decided we would get into a book that I was reading this week, which is called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. And Katie, you haven't read this book, right? I have not. So we thought it'd be interesting just to dive into what these five regrets are and uh, just kind of have a conversation about it and get Katie's thoughts on it um, as kind of a beginner's mind and uh, yeah, just, just see where the conversation goes. So I'm excited about this. I think that like death is something that's so taboo. Mm -hmm. um, but Clint, like we know we're all going to die. Yeah, we do. And we, we all know we're going to die. And also that's the other thing too, is I was telling someone else about this book and they were like, it's so sad. You read this book, you read Tuesdays with Maury, which is about another person who's dying. And like, you know, yeah, there's that a little bit of element to it. But these, this book is really about, it's about living more than it's about dying, right? It's what we can gain, the wisdoms that we can gain from people that are approaching death for how they wish they had lived their lives so that we can learn from it and live our lives more fully. So, you know, I, I think it's better to describe it as a book about living rather than dying. I love that. And I think in the spirit of the space between like that is non-duality, like we cannot know what it's like to fully live unless we contemplate and reflect upon death. Just like I cannot know the light that I have in me if I do not explore my shadows in the darkness. So I think that us talking about death as a society, as a culture and conversations like this, I think it is so inspiring and so important to be a catalyst for living a better life. Yeah, definitely. And some of the things that you've just touched on right there come up in some of the, the regrets that are talked about in this book and the aspects of it. So yeah, I think we'll get into that today. All right, let's do it. Okay, so uh, number one, and these aren't in any particular order. Um, by the way, a little background on this book. So um, this book was written by someone who was a caretaker for people like giving end of life care. Uh, she's amazing, by the way. Uh, I would, if I ever needed any end of life care from someone, she would be a great candidate. Um, she was just so so just true to herself and true to them and experienced all of the emotions that went along with being there for them and, and, and processing emotions for herself. So there was a lot to be learned from that. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of her experience. So she just, as she was caring for these people, they, they shared with her their experiences about, um, you know, how, how they wish their lives had been different. You know, they all, all of a sudden felt very open and very vulnerable to share with. And sometimes the, the, the people that were nearing death were, unable to have these conversations with their own family members and um, that were able to open up to her because honestly, because um, she invited them to do that. Right. And then they just, they just talked so openly and they were so felt so good to let it out. And so that's how this book kind of came about and, and how, how uh, the five top five regrets of the dying were shared. Got it. So, got it. Cool. Yeah. So the first one is, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. That makes sense. Right. Uh, that is one that, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that all of us say and do and know in our hearts, but it's, it's, it's one that's hard to do sometimes, right? And to, there's just, by the time we reach adulthood and by the time we are, you know, halfway along our lives we've already been doing a lot of things that others expected for us and maybe we'd even ask the question ever if we were living a life, our life true to ourselves right right um you know for any of the listeners that listened to Brittany janine's episode a couple weeks ago she 
she asked this like question of like, what are your gifts? Mm-hmm. What is your message? What do you want to do with this life? And I think Clint, what you're saying is like, many of us don't do that. We don't take the time to ask ourselves these questions. And sometimes I think with social media, this gets even a little more difficult because you see other people in the world doing rad things, cool things. And you're like, oh, I should do that. I want to do that. Oh, she's wearing that. I need to buy that outfit. Or like, oh, they travel there. I want to do that. And and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Katie, what is, where do you want to travel? Right. How do you want to dress? Right. How do you want to show up in your profession? What's the right business move for you? Right. And it's so easy to get caught up in other people's stuff. And like, there's so many badass people doing cool stuff, but that's their path. It's like coming back to like your truth. Man, that's, that's important inner work. And that makes it, I think Clint, you sharing that this is a regret of the dying makes it, me realize it's even more important than I thought if at the end of people's lives, this is coming up so much. Yes, exactly. It's, I mean, it's sad to think that it comes up for people that they didn't do that. Right. And now, now it's too late for them. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a good reminder to have for ourselves all the time to like constantly be checking in. Right. And to see like, okay, is what I'm doing really aligned for me? Is this what I really want? Um, and and not just, yeah, like you said, <laughs> being distracted by, oh, look what someone else has. That looks really cool. I want that. Do we really want that? <laughs> right. I love um, in the book <clears throat> Untamed by Glennon Doyle. She talks about this. She's like, she's in her house after a divorce and she's like looking around Clint and she's just like, do I even like this piece of art? Do I like <laughs> this couch? Do I like, and it, but that's what was in all the magazines, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how houses were supposed to look if you wanted it mm-hmm. to be a certain way. And and it's, yeah, I, I hope everyone just can take some time, whether it's journaling or meditating of what is my truth? Mm-hmm. What, what does feel right for me? Am I in this relationship because I've just been in it for so damn long? Or right. like, does this feel right? Am I in this profession? Am I spending my weekends doing things I actually want to do or Mm -hmm. am I just showing up to things because I get invited and I'm trying to make other people happy like this is I think this is profound work right it it is and I think the meditating and journaling helps so much because when you're meditating you literally I mean you have nothing else you you don't have other things to be distracting you with you can just go inward and see what's there and really just really connect to what will bring you joy and happiness and, and what what matters most to you and just what's kind of like you said, true for yourself, what is just there, right? Um, And journaling is a great way to like, just kind of like, I don't know, flush it out a little bit, toy with it, right? Write stuff out and like, when you write it out, but like, okay, does that actually, you know, is that something I'm really into? And kind of like, what's true for you will naturally come out on on, on paper when we're not seeing distracting things, but you know, in magazines or whatever. It's really interesting what you said about like the furniture and the furniture in a house, right? Do I like this or do I don't like this? Like, I wonder, like, what our homes would look like if there were no, like, when I was designing my place, like, I went on to, like, house or whatever. And I picked out pictures of things that I liked, right? But, but like, say none of that stuff existed. Like, what would it look like, right? Isn't like, that cool? What if there, what if, and all, of course, all those things in house are, like, they're, they're, they're kind of, like, impacted by modern trends and color schemes, right? But what if there were no current trends and color schemes, right? Like, what would we have picked? What would it look like? I think we would be like glorified toddlers. Like, I think about Logan dressing herself. (laughs) Logan doesn't know what's in style, what matches, what's cool, what's trendy. Like, she goes into her closet and she's just (laughs) like, man. And she picks some some things that like, which is an expression of her and where she's at right now. And like, man, we we lose that Mm -hmm. as we get older because we start to like, 
know what's on trend what mm. what does this say about me what you know we get so concerned right. about external validation and labeling things as right or wrong and wanting to present a certain way versus presenting in truth just however you want if it's a bunch right. of different things that that, that, that are right. that seem cla- that seem to clash or that are funky right cool maybe funky is your style right and right. like it's uh yeah it's interesting interesting so a couple things i want to mention here that were talked about in um under this regret um two things one products are our environment uh and then the other one was trappings and so um products are environment is you know it's it's kind of like what you were talking about with you know i'm in a relationship or like i have this family or this is my circle of friends right and so we're naturally going to be a little bit of a product of like the quote of you know you are the five people you spend your most time with right well you can change who the people you are that you spend your most time most time with, right? If we are living in a maybe maybe we're living somewhere in a in a community or in a town or in a state or in a country that you know, and so we're a product of that environment, right? Well, we do have the choice and the power to change that environment, right? And so um, it's an interesting thing to look at and go, okay, is my environment um, you know causing me not to live a life that's true to myself? I think our environments can definitely make it more difficult, right? And I think that's where when we talk about journaling, we can kind of discern like, yeah, what makes what makes me showing up as my authentic, truest self more challenging? Like, mm-hmm. is it this relationship? Is it because I live in this town that I've grown up with, like, you know, since mm-hmm. I was however old and just noticing because I think despite our environment and people, we it's still our path. And it's still our journey. So you still have that agency to, to live your truth. It can right. be more difficult based on environment. So I think that's where you kind of have to discern and set yourself up for success a little bit. But right. yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then so the other one, uh, trappings, I mean, the, the biggest one that was talked about here was um, our own constraints and what we were talking about with uh, key, you know, a couple of weeks ago limiting beliefs right Mm -hmm. Um, our own limiting beliefs of like oh i can't change this because of this or this is just who i am or this is like you know i have this limitation right and so that was the biggest restraint that was coming up because if people had these these limitations Mm -hmm. that truly weren't limitations at all right Ooh, yeah i think the ones we create for ourselves, and then Mm -hmm. the ones that we hear when we're younger and we Mm -hmm. carry them with us you know i keep it real on the podcast I, i will never forget um I'll never forget one time my dad, he, we're all at the dinner table. I have two younger brothers, it's mom, dad, <clears throat> and dad, like, and I don't know why he felt the need to do this, Clint, but he looked at my brother, Brett, who's the middle child. And he's like, Brett's an A student, Katie's a B student, and Pat's a C student. Okay. okay. Like, okay. why dad felt the need to label all of us and what type of student we are. So, right. you know, shout out to Brett, I guess, you know, you're the most intellectually talented one and not bitter at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that, that, that stuck Clint as I got older, because it was like, there was this idea of like, dad didn't think I was smart, like to get A's. Like he would be cool if I came home with my report card and there were B's because Katie's like a B student. Right. And, and this is one example, but it's like that, that, Ooh, those things that our parents Mm -hmm. say, or that our coaches say, and that our teachers Mm -hmm. say, they stick. Right. And if we That's do true. not do this work that you're talking about of like, what is my truth? Who am I? How do I want to show up in the world? If we don't create space to do that work. These things run us on For an sure. unconscious level. Right. Right. They, they, yeah, they, 
that like it becomes your truth, right? Because yeah. you've heard that and then we just we live that and that just becomes us, right? Before yeah. without taking a pause to go, wait, 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 wait. That's <laughs> what? No impact over me whatsoever at all, you know, when we take agency over ourselves and yeah, right. it's it's interesting. Um another thing that that came for me when I was listening or you know reading about trappings is you know if we're wanting to create a life true to ourselves right and so um you know a lot of that can depend on what are we giving our attention to right what are we giving our time and our attention to and maybe we want a different life or maybe we've we've imagined a different if we were living a life true to ourselves true to ourselves but that's going to take some shedding of some things that we're giving our attention to that might not be serving towards that purpose that we've just become so accustomed to. And so sometimes we have to, we have to, not just sometimes we have to let that stuff get out of the way so that we can live a life true to ourselves. Yeah. Cause I think this, it, it gosh, it sounds really, um, in theory, it sounds really attractive. Like mm-hmm. go and be true to yourself. Right. But that's some of the fucking hardest work you will ever do right. is being true to yourself and shedding Um, things that were comfortable, shedding things where you know you were settling, shedding things that you know other people expect of you. That is like so difficult. Right, right. It is, it is. But it's another, once it's another one of those, it's a, it's a muscle you build up because once you do it and then you move away from that and you're like, oh yeah, I I really thought I needed that. Like, and, and then you move away from it and then something else better is waiting for you or you discover something and then you can reflect on that experience of, of, of letting something go that you thought you needed or that you thought you liked or that brought you comfort. And then you're like, Hey, I did it once. I can do it again. Right. Yeah. And then again and again, and it really starts to build up that strength within you. Right. And I think once you start living in alignment with your truth, you don't go back. Right. Because it's like you, you know how liberating it is right. and, and it is a different life. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Should we jump to the second one? Yeah. It is, this is, yeah, I'm interested to get your take on this one, Katie. <laughs> oh, boy. I wished I hadn't worked so hard. You're a pretty hard worker, Katie. <laughs> You're... Ooh, that's good. That's interesting. You know, I have so many thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, there's, there's another part to this, but I want to hear your thoughts first. <laughs> well, I, I, this actually, like, even going back to, like, beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. A, another belief that I heard a lot growing up was, like, you know, you're, you're the hardest worker on the team. So I created this idea of like, I'm not the best athlete. I'm not the smartest one in the room, but I will outwork everybody and I'll be able to get whatever that carrot is. Right. Right. So like, I know that exists in my psyche and I know that that's part of my inner work of breaking free of some of those trappings to use this author's term. Um, I will say I work with high school clients um, who talk about not seeing their parents sometimes and the parents are working a lot. And I think there's a different energy that comes from working for something that you feel like is a part of your purpose and that you feel so aligned with and working, period. And that is, for me, I think anyone who like uh, follows me and like sees what I do, um, you know, with Clint and the podcast and our company Evolve and then also my own practice, like it might be like, damn, she's doing a lot, but like it, I love it. And so for me, it is aligned and a part of my flow. And I have to check myself sometimes, right? I'm like, am I having fun? When's the last time I laughed and like put something away? Right. And like, that's important. But man, it is so, my work is so in alignment. And I 
I have worked, period, uh, for jobs that I would put in 12-hour, 13-hour days. And right. I, it didn't fuel me the way the work does now. Right, right. Well, that was a great answer, Katie, because the second part of that is create a life where you aren't going to regret working so hard. And you have done that. You are doing that. <laughs> and you still check in with yourself to make sure that. So that's uh, that's really amazing. But yeah, the, the things that were talked about here were purpose and intention. Um, and, you know, something that, you know, I was thinking about about reading this and listening to people tell their stories. A lot of people were just working so hard, just so hard, and they really weren't feeling connected to their work or whatever. And then there's you know, what you've done, which is you found something you're totally passionate and feels so in alignment and with a purpose for you. But there's an aspect of this too, where a- anyone can really find it. And maybe they're not in a position to to switch jobs or to switch careers, right? Maybe, maybe that isn't an alignment for them, but it's about change, having a, a perspective shift, right? So maybe it's a job that is, you know, not the most satisfying or that doesn't feel the most purposeful, but maybe that purpose is to care for your kids and, and, and be there for your kids and provide them things, right? And, you know, that can be, and it's one thing if you just work, 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 and you're never there for your kids. But if you're truly connected, your purpose is to provide for your children, provide them a great life. Um, I mean, you can do that by working hard at that so you can do that and then also spending time with them, being being there with them, right? Yeah. And, or just an, a narrative shift in, what uh what um you know what how how we frame the work that we're doing right right uh to to steal a line from key you know him and i were talking and he said uh that uh you know the way his you know when he's working as an airline pilot right one way to frame that is to go i'm a glorified taxi driver really i'm just a people mover right another way to frame that is i connect people and bring them together during the most important moments of their lives and how do you think <laughs> i mean how would a pilot feel when they frame it one way versus feeling versus framing it the other way and so um that perspective shift can can go a long way towards you know living a life where you don't regret working right right and i mean that practice that you just described that is so valuable for anyone anyways of just reframing life experiences in general like yes I think that's a way of reframing how we show up at work, but that's a beautiful practice when it comes to trauma, when it comes to, man, growing up, I moved from city to city to city. I never felt rooted. Or you can say a story of, I got to move from city to city and meet so many different people. And I'm so good at building relationships quickly, right? There's different ways. And I think about one of the books I read during our book a week thing, you know, Victor Frankl, Mm -hmm. Man Finding Meaning. Like by no means am I saying, that uh, we should all go and find <clears throat> horrible circumstances to test our mindset. But it's like, this guy was sharing like a piece of bread with hundreds of people. He was in the concentration camps and he was able to find beauty in these moments. He was a- like, that just shows me what is possible right. for humanity, right? Not saying that we all need to, to go into these horrible traumatic circumstances, but it shows us the capacity of, human potential. It's like watching LeBron James. It's like when I'm out shooting hoops, I don't expect to be LeBron, but man, LeBron shows me what is possible for a human body. Right. So being inspired by that, I think is, is really, really, it's really cool. Right. Reframing. Yeah. Reframing is huge. And then, you know, another aspect of this is like loving what, loving what we do. Right. So we all wanted, that's the dream to love what we do. Right. And I feel blessed to have really started working um, with things that I 
truly love and feel very connected to and passionate about. Um, but you know, something that comes up for people a lot of the time is, oh, if I do what I love, then I would just I, I won't make money. I'm not going to be able to make enough money, right? That's a that's a big limiting belief that, that a lot of people have. And then I I dealt with this a ton. I'm like, how am I going to work in move in this field and like you know make money that I was making as a lawyer as a poker player, right? And um, it's really it's really one. It's a situation where when you actually move and start doing something that you love, now that now your life and the way you're living it is so in alignment with who you are that you open up all of these like creative pathways and channels and really allow money to flow more easily to you because you have just you 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 are at your full creative capacity now, right? So you can think of all these things that are going to be money generators that were blocked to you before when you were doing something that you weren't so connected to. So it's kind of like, this is a kind of a big message in an amazing book called the illusion of money. Right. And it is your obsession with money is costing you millions. Right. I just love that quote so much. And it's when you actually stop just chasing money and actually do something you love and do it with all out intensity and purpose and passion, the money's going to come even more so. Right. Right. I think it's our job going back to, your point number one of, you know, living a, our own life. I think part of finding our truth and living authentically is finding out, to go back to Brittany's question, what are your gifts? What are your message? And when you are connected to what your gifts are, you find work. And I'm putting up air quotes, people, because it doesn't feel like work when I'm using my gifts because it comes easily to me. Like, no one else has the same unique gifts. And so when we're expressing that, we're going to attract people that want to use our gifts. Just like when we find, Clint, you and I give referrals to each other all the time for different things and different people that are so talented at what they do. And we get to interview some badass people on here. But it's like, when you find what your gifts are, you can make money using your gifts. You have a unique genius that is all your own. And so detaching from the dollar and connecting to your purpose and your unique gifts, I feel like that, that that's how you attract, you know, this this idea of like fulfilling work. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So one other interesting um, topic that came up during these discussions on I wish I hadn't worked so hard was, you know, a couple of different people in here said, I wish I'd, you know, keep it simple, right? Um, we can work so hard to chase all of these things that overcomplicate our lives, and make us more stressful, and it's like. It's really good to just take a step back and connect to, okay, why am I actually working so hard, right? Like, is it for, is it because I want to travel the world and, you know, snowboard everywhere and I'm having an amazing time doing it? Sounds amazing, right? Or is it just to like accumulate things and buy things that society says we should have? And then how much happiness is that really bringing us, right? Like maybe it brings it to us at the beginning when we first get it and we have that little bit of a high. But beyond that, I mean, just the, all of the different upkeep that certain different things can, you know, require can just eat into our time, take away from things that actually make us happy. And so sometimes it's a good idea to, or just a good reminder, just pause, step back and go, do I want to keep it more simple here? Or is what I'm actually going for next, like really worth that extra working for and putting my time and energy towards it? Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I think all of these are so connected to that first lesson of like what is your truth because I think when you take space and like acknowledge like what am I chasing here right what am I doing here right you know yeah Clint I mean do you do you think that at like living in America that we're all 
in, in this game of capitalism in some way. Like even if we're not, even if we're not necessarily buying things, mm-hmm. um, there's some underlying flavor of a competition of like who can make more money, right? There's right. this like, and, and I think that it's difficult sometimes to like unsubscribe from that game because it's so like, it's so a part of our culture. Yeah, it is. That's interesting. Cause I mean, like there's the, there's the, there's the material accumulation. That's kind of a thing and like societal things around the world, but yeah, it is the, the, the competitive aspect is definitely, um, it feels like it's more so in America for sure. And so, but it's like, man, everyone's, it's the wrong contest, right? <laughs> like it's the wrong contest. The contest is like, what can I do to, be, to become happier and more fulfilled than I was yesterday? Not with anybody else, mm-hmm. with myself yesterday, and not as funny being the objective to make more money, right? But it's really, really hard to do, and it's it's um it's a really it's a really interesting dance to try and or to to live a life where both of those things happen, right? Yeah. Where you do feel successful, right? And that's probably a better way. Is like successful and figuring out what success looks like for you versus just straight money goals. Right. Um, and then to like have a life that actually had where you feel successful, but you also feel at peace and, and in balance. And, yeah. yeah. And, and acknowledge like your truth because man, maybe success for somebody is attached to a dollar and like owning that. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it means, maybe someone else it's like impact or maybe someone else it's, being a grandma or grandpa, right? So just like, I think, man, I think so many of this, it's like, take time and like get closer to what, what, what is my truth here? And what does matter to me? And go right. after that. Clint, I don't think you know this about me, but I used to run a group at a um, memory care facility. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing um, seeing people at different levels of dementia and Alzheimer's um, and uh, what this memory care facility did outside of everyone's room, they have like a, um, a memory box or a shadow box and you put pictures right. in it so that when you go into your room, they can right. kind of remember what's important. And I, I would look at all these boxes because it's interesting. Like, uh-huh. okay, when, if I lose my memory and my mind when I'm in my 90s, and you know, what would be in my box? Right. It's, it's interesting because I see pictures, travel pictures. Like uh-huh. Italy, um, you know, South Carolina beaches. Like I, I remember some of these pictures that stand out to me. Um, grandchildren, children, mm-hmm. old pictures with like their spouse or significant other, dogs, cats, the animals, and then like lasagna, and <laughs> coffee, and a scone. Uh-huh. Right. I love and it. Keeping I, it simple, right? Clint, not I, pictures of expensive cars, the most expensive pieces of jewelry that they had or the, the biggest home that they lived in, right? Yeah, I never saw a bank account statement. I <laughs> right? never... That's an even better one. <laughs> I, I, I even thought about like, yeah, it, their business they built doesn't photograph well, right? Right. It, it, right. It, it was interesting. And so I think at like the end of our lives, mm-hmm. I think what I noticed from these people I got to work with was it's like, who did I love and how did I love? Right. right and and right. that, that seemed to be what was in the box, right. uh, you know? Right. Um, right. It's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, another uh, really interesting one on the keeping it simple thing. Uh, a cool example is Elon Musk with that, right? Like Elon Musk accumulated so much. I mean, I think at one point recently he was 
the richest man in the world, maybe briefly for a moment, or, or, or you know, top, he's always like top five, right? But he recently sold all of his possessions, right? All of his properties, all of his homes, sold it all. Why? Because it was just distracting him and taking up too much time from what his purpose is, which is to create amazing, you know, inventions and to make the world a better place. And, um, you know, him living, him doing all those things, it wasn't about the money, right? It's about truly trying to make the world a better place. And, you know, and then he was willing to let go of all of his possessions because they were actually taking away from his purpose. Right. Which is, I mean, we're talking about non-attachment. Right. We are so attached to money because for many of us money equals life force right it's not actually life force my breath is my life force right. money equals safety mm-hmm. it's not actually safety like my nervous system is safety and right like it's like money that's, that's the toughest one i think for a lot of people they're like oh yes i will feel safe i do feel safe and that's and so you hear these stories about i mean i didn't know that elon musk had recently done this but i've read plenty of stories about people who make millions and millions give it away, sell, go, go on a monastery experience. Right. What like, I mean, I, I have, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with people who are like, man, I wish I could like give it all away and just go live under the 405 for right, a couple. Right. And just like, and, and kind of just feel that <laughs> and know that like, right. it doesn't have power over me because if, as long as we're attached, it has some power over us. Right. It's right. Interesting. Yeah. So I think the moral of that one is just to, yeah, love what you do. You know, if, if it's if it's not aligned for you, go find something you love and do it. Um, or reframe the narrative so that you connect to it on a better way. And and um, you know, maybe maybe we maybe it is maybe there are things that we want in life and want to accumulate money and spend 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 money on. But really, take a moment to pause and say, is this what I truly want? Is this really truly going to fill me up? Right? Um, is this aligned with that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the third one is. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Ooh, so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good. Something, so an interesting one on this one, she was talking about, it was so sad. She was talking about, uh, she was taking care of a man whose family, they didn't tell him he was dying. They kept pretending, they were so unable to express their emotions and deal with them and confront them that. They just told him that he was going to be okay. And every day, you know, said, oh, you're getting better. You know, make sure you eat all your food because, you know, you're going to be back on your feet soon. And I mean, that is so sad. I mean, to not be honest with someone when they're actually about to experience death. And he finally asked her, you know, one day he's like, am I dying? You know, and she's an amazing person. So she didn't lie to him. That'd be horrible. Right. And so she, she told him the truth and he said, thank you. And he said, I thought so. And he said, my, my family's not able to experience this or to express it. And, you know, to his credit, he said, that's okay. But a lot of it was, you know, they weren't able to express their emotions because he didn't express his emotions in life. And, you know, they kind of um, didn't know who he was, right? They just, they, they knew him externally, not internally, because none of them expressed their emotions to each other. Yeah, I I see this a lot. You know, in, in practice, because I think what draws a lot of people into therapy is I have all these emotions. What do I do with them? Mm-hmm. And um, and is it okay? And how do I express this? And right. it's like this. I think that's one of the most beautiful parts.
parts of the therapeutic processes. And you and I talked about this in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, managing difficult emotions. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're not we're not always equipped to deal with our emotions. Um, right. So, gosh, a part of me is like surprised and like, wow, that's one of the top five regrets of the dying. But then another part of me is not because this is such a challenge for so many. I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's such a challenge. And so I think it ends up being, besides the regret from these conversations or never expressing it, they end up living a life filled with guilt because they didn't express their emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So this, they have they carry around this weight of, of, of guilt, basically. And, and, I mean, guilt is like one of the most toxic feelings we can have, right? And it's like, it's just, it's amazing when, when we actually express our emotions, that guilt goes away, right? And like, maybe when we express our emotions to whoever it is, we can't control how are they, how they are going to react, right? But at the very least, we don't carry around that guilt from not expressing it, right? Well, I think um, it's like our duty to express our emotions from a place of love. And I think as long as we, to go back to the first regret of the dying, as long as I am being true to myself yes, yes. and coming from a place of love, mm-hmm. then I can sleep at night with whatever message I deliver. Right. Right. I think I don't sleep at night when I was mean or mm-hmm. coming from a place of fear right. or um yeah, that negative energy. And right. I don't sleep at night when I'm not true to myself. And so I think ensuring that gosh, this feeling's been coming up and maybe it's telling someone you love them. Because mm-hmm. that can be difficult or scary. Or yeah. maybe it's Maybe it's telling someone you want out of the relationship, which can be difficult and scary. But right. it's like, as long as you're coming from a place of open heartedness mm-hmm. and love, genuine, genuine love for this other person and the conversation and the energy, right. and you're acknowledging your truth, you're doing your job. Yeah, you're definitely doing your job. And that's kind of, you know, a couple of things that come up were courage and honesty and courage and honesty are always rewarded. Right. And so what you're describing is like, like being honest with yourself, being courageous enough to share it, coming from a place of love. And that's always rewarded, even if it's not in the ways that we anticipate it. Right. Maybe what we express to someone else, maybe we tell them someone that we love them and that they, that pushes them away and they want to, they go in a different direction. Well, guess what though? What comes after that? Right. right. Maybe that's what needed to happen. So that the person who's right for you will come along. Right. Right. Uh, and it is, you know, maybe it's just, maybe it is just you get to now live one guilt-free, but also with self-respect for being true to yourself, right? Mm. That, that feeling, that peace of mind that you talk about is a powerful gift, right? Yes. Even if it's not the one that we attach to. So it's like, or that, that we think we're going to, we're, 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 we're hoping we're going to, you know, for an outcome when we're going to actually share our feelings with someone else, right? Yeah. Just the sharing it in and of itself is what is so freeing, right? Yes. Ooh, two things came up for me as you were saying that. Like one is, if this goes back again to non-attachment, like I'm going to say what needs to be said and I'm non-attached to how the person's going to respond, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we get really attached to like, well, if they say this, then I'm going to keep loving them. And if they don't, then like there's all these conditions. And if we're really coming from a place of love, then the non-attach the, the non-attachment's present because it's right. like honoring my truth without, you know, 
uh, without so much concern for what what the other person is going to say. Right. And that's difficult to do, Clint. It's very hard to do. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, expectations are where resentment's born. And so when we like, when we hold, when we have all these expectations of someone else and they're not meeting them, when really maybe they're just living their truth. <laughs> right. right. Right? Yes, um, yes, maybe they are too. It's important to, to have that perspective. Yeah. And then, you know, what you said, it's like, yes, when we honor our truth, um, and I'll just share, like when I started to make that commitment to myself of when there's something that needs to be said, Katie, you're going to say it. Mm -hmm. And when there is a, like when you notice that I'm, when I notice that I'm out of balance or I'm not living in alignment, then I need to honor myself. Man, I started to love myself more because I'm like, I am so effing dependable like, dude, I, <laughs> I say I'm going to do something and I'm going to do it. Like right. I feel something and I express it. Like yes. I can look in the mirror and be like, man, you're, you're a freaking man of your word. Like you, like I, I, I can have confidence that builds my esteem. Yes. I know I can count on myself. Yes. I love my, like it is such a profound, um, transition or shift that happens when you make that commitment to yourself mm -hmm. of I'm going to express what's coming up for me. And again, doing it with discernment, doing yes. it from a place of like being emotionally regulated mm -hmm. from a place of love. But man, I think that's the work. That is a really good gift in disguise too. Cause it's not just like self-respect and like being guilt-free. It is that like strength and that confidence, not just like trust in yourself. Right. Yes. That comes from that. And like, that is like, and if I was to ask for a gift from anyone in the world, that'd be an amazing one to have, right. That, that feels really, really good. And so it's like, we can give that gift to ourselves. Just by doing right, that, right. just just yeah. by being true to ourselves, coming from a place of love and exp expressing our emotions, right? Right. I, I think yeah. any of my clients who listen to this, you're probably eye rolling because it's like Katie always says this, but it's like, dude, confidence comes from following through on the commitments you make to yourself. Yes. End of discussion. It's like, I am confident in this world if I say I'm going to do something and right. I do it. Right, right. If I can't count on me, Clint, I'm not confident. Like right. I can't, dude, I can't even count on my own words. Right. Right. That's interesting because it's not just it, it, that, that goes kind of beyond the courage to express my feelings, but into like, just the, you know, like, for example, we're at the, the 75 hard challenge we're doing with ourselves, Ooh, right? Yeah. Like the confidence that's coming from like, I said I was going to do this and I'm going to do it. Right. Even when it's fucking hard. Yeah. Even, even when, when you want to lay on the couch. Even when it's hard. Yes. <laughs> I want to drink. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. um, we're getting a little off track. So let's jump to the next okay. one. Um, the fourth one is, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Oh, Clint, right. you're so good at this. Such a good one. I'm okay at it. No, I'm, I think you're okay. Thank you. I think you're insanely good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you're so good at this. Uh, yeah, friends are so important. Uh, they just, they are. And it's just everyone in this book, when they were talking about it, um, they just, they just all said the same thing. They're like, I'm here at the end and like all the people that like knew me the most in life, right? That, like truly know me that like, not just people I met because they became friends with their caretaker. And that's a great thing to have that friendship, right? But they're lifelong friends. They're true friends. The people that knew them when, before they were the person that they are today, that knew every aspect of them. That, like, even if like, you know, you meet someone later in life and become friends with them. And that's an amazing thing to do to continue making friends throughout life. Right. But, they can have heard your past story, right? But they didn't experience it, right? Yeah. They just don't know you on that same level and 
And so like the value of like just staying connected with people that know you that well and like accepted you from day one, you know, when you were, when we were, you know, I'm sure we all think that we're better versions of ourselves as we get older in life and where we were in our teens or in our twenties. And like those people that accepted you for that then and stuck with you, it's amazing. Don't let them go. Oh, that's so interesting. I I think, um, well, one, I do want to go back to how good you are at this. I think a lot of times, like, dudes aren't as good at, like, keeping in touch or, like, building community. And, like, you have, like, a group of guys that, like, stay in touch and support each other in all seasons of life. And I think it's, like, I've never seen that before. Yeah, Um, it's a a special bond for sure. We all say it all the time. We're so lucky, like, we all hug each other. We all say we love each other. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. And it, it's unusual. Um, and I think, man, this is something that if I were to die in a couple of weeks or something, this would be one of my regrets because, um, I have to be better at it. And I think it's also difficult. Um, yeah, it's difficult as you get older and for me have moved, I think about like my group of friends geographically or in other places like those people that have been with me in every season and I also think that I've I've lost friends in this season of my life because I have changed so much Mm -hmm. and there's it's interesting to notice like where you shed friendships where maybe you know you talk about becoming a better version of yourself but some people like that 20 year old partier version of you and when you evolve it doesn't feel the same and so man friendships are so interesting and they're so important and Mm -hmm. i think sometimes as we get older it's like we get consumed with our kids and our partner and our families and we forget about just those like friendships clint the other night one of my girlfriends uh she called me and I answered, I'm like, Jess, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I was just in the car and had a moment and wanted to catch up. I'm like, oh my, I like my heart stopped because I hadn't, we haven't connected in so long. And this is one of my best friends, but it's like, man, why when my, one of my best girlfriends calls, do I think something's wrong? Like, <sighs> like we need to kind of come up with a better system. <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. Right. Versus like, oh, re- my friend just responding because we always share and we're open no. to each other. Right. Yeah. yeah that's so, that's so, so this crazy. is Clint. If I, if I were to die tomorrow, this would be my regret. Glad we talked about this then. So uh, I look forward to hearing about how you're reaching out and connecting right. with old friends. And right. you know, what, what something came up when you were talking about like about you know we change right and we evolve, and so maybe like a friendship isn't aligned for us. And it's like okay, so there are a couple of things. You know, a true friend is going to stay a friend through your evolution, right? They're going to accept accept you for who you are then and now, right? And it's. Maybe it's what's happening is that like maybe the cha- that maybe the friendship changes in dynamic. Maybe you do, you don't have as many things in common as you used to, and so maybe you don't spend as much time together or do all those things together, right? But that doesn't have to mean that you stop being friends, right? Nice. So there's there, there's room for friend for friendships to like you know fill you know fill different spaces in your life at different times, right? More nice. so at, at certain times, less so at other times with certain friends, and and that's okay. But um. No, I don't think anyone looks back and goes, oh, yeah, I wish I, I, I'm really glad that I just, you know, right. don't have my friends around anymore, even if we changed a little bit. Right. And there's, yeah, there's seasons. I think there's definitely seasons in people's lives um, where you're more connected and where you're more consumed with your own stuff. And yeah, right. acknowledging that. But I also think there is, yeah, there's, and maybe I'm just like in it right now mm-hmm. um, so I can give it a voice, but it's like that can be part of shedding too. Right. I think we've talked about that in relationships and using your voice and having courage. Uh, but yeah, I think I think as you shed 
relationships, which sometimes are friendships that no longer serve you, create space for new friendships and new, you know, new meaningful relationships as well. It's interesting. It does. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I mean, that's just, that's really being self-aware and like looking at what serves you and what doesn't serve you. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a way to honor both of those things. Right, right. Um, and some of it is like, now we're just, are we good on okay. time, Clint? We're no, going no, on a tangent. Good, we're okay. Good. Yeah, we're good. You know, I think it's also interesting. I think about, um, yeah, like judgment here a bit. Like I, and and sometimes it's in our it's our own trappings, right? Of uh, maybe you going through something and thinking your friends will judge you for it or not, and maybe like isolating instead of like trusting that it's a safe place to land. But I'll I'll share a story. There was this girl, um, Tallene. She's a therapist. She used to work with me, and like I I was going uh, I was going through a divorce. It was like my, the first couple of weeks and uh, my ex and I were separating and all my girlfriends are in the Bay area. <clears throat> and I'm just kind of like going through this on my own. And I called Talene. Okay. Mind you, I've only been in meetings with this girl. I called Talene and I'm like, Hey, I'll pay you, but I just need to go and get a drink. Um, I just need someone to talk to. So like, I'll pay you for your time. Like she was, she started dying. Clint. She's like, you're going to pay me to get a drink, kitty. Like <laughs> where are we meeting? Right. <laughs> But it was just kind of like, I didn't know, honestly, I did not have the skills or know how to make a friend at my age. It's uh -huh. like, she's, she's kind of cool. I see her at work. Right. We vibe a little bit. Oof, am I going to go ask her for a drink? Like, right, this is kind right. of, but it was like, I didn't have someone physically here. And so right. it was like, and that was like, honestly, the beginning of like a really beautiful friendship. Oh, um, but yeah, I think that for anyone listening, that's like a millennial. And they're like, I think sometimes we we don't know how to make friends because mm -hmm. we kind of have those people from high school and college. And then it's like, you make babies and you get married and you get consumed with your career. And it's right. like, Ooh, like no, still building meaningful relationships and meeting new people is so rad. Yeah, totally. It is. It is actually that like actually leads into another point that was, I wanted to bring up here, which is, um, you know, a big part of this that people were talking about with the, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. It was allowing, allowing themselves time with their friends. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it is making that a priority, right? It's one thing to stay in touch and stay connected, but it's allowing ourselves to have time with our friends. And, and I think that does go by the wayside sometimes when people, you know, have families and careers and kids and all that stuff. And they feel like, you know, I need to take care of all these things. I'll hang out with friends later. Right. And it's like, no, we're friendships are an amazing things for all of us. And we need to make space and time for that in our lives. Yeah. And it's going to allow us to show up better for, the people that we care about too. So like there doesn't even need, there doesn't even need to be guilt associated with it. Right. It just needs to be, I'm, I'm awesome. I have awesome friends. <laughs> I deserve to spend time with them. Right. right. And, and my friends make me better. Right. I right. feel so good after I hang out with my best girlfriends. Right. Like yes. you laugh, you laugh so hard, you talk. And oh, like yes. you said, Clint, like, they're the people that saw you in like weird, awkward moments. Right. Like, but, and like, you just laugh and that like, yeah. So all my Bay Area friends, so I'm going to make this, <laughs> make this a commitment. Clint's it. holding me accountable. I will hold you accountable. <laughs> yeah, you're on, you're on the record. Yeah. Oh my God. Cool. All right. Should we jump to the last one? Yep. Okay. The last one is, I wish I had let myself be happier. Mm. Right. This is interesting. It is, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of different aspects of this that that um that were talked about in here, and I guess I just I'll just if you want to go one by one, because I think that a lot of things we would talk about with getting into, I wish I let myself be happier, would naturally go into all these things. So um, the first one is 
happiness is now. What does, what does that mean to you, Katie? I think that, um, gosh, this reminds me of the four agreements. I think the author is Miguel Ruiz, mm-hmm. but it's like, he talked about happiness is moment to moment gratitude, like right here, Clint being like, dude, what in the freaking we're here mm-hmm. on a Friday talking about something so awesome on mm-hmm. a pot. Like this yeah. is awesome. Right. Like tonight, if I go and watch the sunset, like this is awesome. Like right. almost living in a state of awe. Um, and I think sometimes it's just like, Oh, seen the sunset before oh, Clint and I are recording another podcast. I'm going, but like, if I can slow down and like take in each moment and being like having gratitude, I instantly exude happiness, joy, bliss, because this is a freaking awesome adventure that we're on. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a huge part of that. I mean, just gratitude in the moment for what you're experiencing. Um, gratitude is huge with it. And, um, but being present and realizing that like happiness does not exist in the future. It cannot exist in the future. It can only exist right now, right? Like if we go, oh, I'll just do this and do this and do this, then I'll be happy, right? We all know. We, we do all those things and then we are, you know, then we are then chasing the next thing, well, right? It's a never-ending game, it's a right? Ne- it's a never-ending game. The, right. the carrot just keeps being dangled, moving, moving, moving. You never experience it. And when you pause, you go, I get to be happy right now. Like the things I'm working towards are amazing and it's going to be amazing when I get there. It'll be amazing if I go a different route, but it's amazing in this moment and the next one and the next one. So that is really it. And when people, you know, so it's, it's, I don't want to put my happiness off for later. You don't have to, you get to, you get to have it right now, right right now and at every moment, basically. Right. It doesn't mean that we won't experience, you know, sad emotion or difficult emotions or, or, you know, unpleasant emotions and, um, but we can still, you know, have happiness in the moment. It doesn't have to be some far off goal for us. Right. And be with those difficult emotions. Right. Um, because uh, when we're with those difficult emotions, happiness is right around the corner versus like repressing that it's always lingering yes. in the backdrop. Right. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I love this one. Mm-hmm. I love this one. It's good. And that kind of leads into the next one, which is a matter of perspective. Um, and when I was, when I was thinking about this, like how, how letting ourselves be happy is a matter of perspective. And one thing that came up for me was something I shared with you recently, which is, or I think I posted this on Instagram, um, in the past week, which you is, Instagram are yeah, you, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning to accept it. Uh, Clint's on TikTok. He's tweeting. I'm so. not on TikTok. I do not tweet. I wasn't even on Instagram six months ago. Uh, so whatever. I'm, I'm accepting it as this is what must be. So, um, um, the matter of perspective is an interesting one. The post I was going to share was, um, it's good to remind ourselves and check in and say, when you go, everything that we have right now, we were desperately wanting a year ago, right? To think back and go, remember I was telling all those things and just go, wow, I have all those things. So instead of looking at it in forward and going, Hey, I'm going to do all these things and then I'll be happy, right? Don't do that. <laughs> do it in reverse and go, wow, look at all those things that I wanted a year ago. I have all those things. How amazing is that? So you can have gratitude in the present moment. Yeah, I, I, that, yes. And I think every time I see that quote on social media, I it resonates so deeply with me because I can relate to like dream building what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just so cool to see. And I, 
I think this is like another thing for anyone that's open to journaling. I've seen my clients do this and like, I've even had clients bring their journals into our sessions being like, look what I wrote <laughs> like right. five years ago. And now what I'm doing, like, it is just so, it's so cool um, to, yeah, to, to set goals and to like have a vision and then arrive there and like, right. Have some gratitude for that. Yes. Have some gratitude for it. Have gratitude for where you've gotten to already have gratitude for the process. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. It's so, and it's so fucking fun, <laughs> yes. right? Like the yes. journey is so fun. Yes. And sometimes like when we're like, okay, I'm going to be happy. Like I'm going to be happy once I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be happy. Oh, once he proposes that I'm gonna be happy when I buy the house. So we're going to make a big, it's like, Oh, it never stops. Never and then stops. you're not even happy. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like, it, it makes you it, then, then we don't even enjoy all those things necessarily because we're we're like wanting something that's never going to come from that right and it's just um versus like that's a great big picture example a, a shorter like a you can do it on a shorter time frame too right so like going throughout our day right and it's like who i gotta do this 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 and this and then at the end of the day i'm gonna have this hour to myself right and i'm gonna watch a movie or something right i'm gonna relax and i can't wait for that and then i'll you know and it's like you can actually feel good and enjoy and be happy as you're doing each of those things throughout yes. your day, right? Yes, and this is again where like expectation breeds resentment because if you are like if I am expecting the house, the baby, the ring to make me happy, and I'm not, mm-hmm. you start to get resentful of your circumstances, right? right? Yeah. And I even think with your example, it's like if I'm expecting that movie at seven o'clock to bring me something like all day, I'm just like resenting the fact I'm not there yet. Right. right? right. And it's such yes. a different energy. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're, you're attaching to wanting something that you don't have in the present moment. Right. And it just takes us out of the present moment. But it's an interesting thing, thing though. Right. Cause it's like, but we do look forward to things and having things to look forward to is, is interesting. So like, how do we do, you know, how do we look forward to it? but still enjoy the present moment. But you know, we talked about this in our, you know, we talked about this in our uh, mindfulness podcast. It's like, yes, goals are good. Like we just don't have to strive the whole time. So right. I love that I have a vacation with right. my mom and daughter in July. Looking forward to it. Right. But I can still effing enjoy every <laughs> moment until then, right? Totally. Like I love my dinner plans tonight or a movie tonight. Like, right? Like I love these things, but yes. I can have, right? So it's like, yes, and, both and. Right, right, yeah. right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, another thing that came up under this one was uh, the changing times, right? How how times change, things change, circumstances change, and this is a little bit of where we talked about this in the first one, which is the products of our environment. But it's you know it is it is checking in with ourselves to make sure that we still want the things that we are are working towards or that have brought us happiness, because maybe there are things that were aligned with our happiness at a certain point of our life. That just aren't aligned anymore, right? And so, just just taking the time to check in and, and go, and this is a lot. I mean, you, I think someone, I think that actually the author of the book was talking about this, where you know she was working towards this business with a purpose, and it was just she was working towards it so much, but she checked in with herself later on in life, and that really wasn't what she wanted anymore. She wanted peace and land, and and um, you know, and she she went and bought a farm, and it all worked out perfectly, and she was so much more at peace then. Right. And so it's like, you have to stop and check in and go, is this what I still really want anymore? Sometimes we get attached to this plan and this vision we had for ourselves and we forget to ourselves to ask ourselves along the way, is this what I still really want? And then having the courage to go, Hey, it's all right. I can reverse course and change direction. That's totally fine. Yeah. I think 
you you hit the nail with two things. It's like having the awareness and the consciousness to take that pause and assess. Right. And then having the courage to do the thing. Right. And, and sometimes when we do the thing, there is judgment from family members. People are like, what the hell? You, you wasted 10 years of your life with this thing, right? Like stick with it. Right. It's like, no, it's no longer aligned and I'm okay. Right. Um, and that's where going back to number one of being so connected to the truest, most authentic version of yourself that allows you to have the courage to go and do the thing. Cause, cause we are sometimes getting external messages of like, are you sure you want to do that? Oh, you spent so much time, but you got your law degree. Like, right. It's like all these things. Right. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. There's two more points of camp there. One of them was, uh, no regrets, right? So this is all very similar in, a, in alignment yeah. with, right? But it, it is, it is having you know having the courage to be honest with yourself and then being brave enough to take action towards towards these things, right? And then when we do that, even if they don't work out, however, I mean, to live a life with no regrets, I mean, that is that is I, I can't think of a happier way to live than to look back and go, wow, I don't have any regrets. Right. Like I was curious about that. I tried it. I wanted to, I wanted to explore this place. I wouldn't explore it. Right. I really, you know, I, I felt this way about that person. I told him so. Right. right. I, I, um, I totally changed my life and it went in a different, different direction. And however it all unfolds, you went for it. Right. right? Yeah, it's interesting. Cause I don't know. I think regret is a, is a wasted emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, as far as I know, um, and I don't know, what Elon's working on, but we have not created a machine yet that can take me back into the past, right? Correct. So a, as far a, as I know, okay. he, he might be on. Right. Well, now that he's sold all his shit, like, you know, <laughs> like he has new brain capacity to, to do these things. Um, yeah. So for me, it's like, what can I learn from that? And then let me just move forward because, right. uh, because, and I think we need to create space to reflect and figure out what we can learn from moments that like, man, I, that doesn't feel right. Or, Oh, that conversation didn't go the way I wanted to, or that wasn't the best business. Like, learn but then like staying there and dwelling there that's Mm -hmm. everything you've talked about is like present moment joy and so when we're in regret we're not in the present moment so it just feels like such a wasted emotion so for those of you who well all of us on this life journey like there are there is suffering we fuck up we hurt people's feelings we make mistakes we let ourselves down we let others down feel that own that figure out what you can learn from that and move forward because regret is keeping us in the past which is Killing our joy. Right. It is keeping us from not being in the present moment. And that was the first part of this, which is happiness is now in this moment. Right. And so the last one uh, is to you know, to help us allow ourselves to be happier is to just smile and know, smile and know that you got this, that you're here, that you're enjoying the journey and to be proud of who you are. Right. And to have, have no, no feeling of looking back on, oh, I wish I'd done this differently, or like you said, no, you know, regretting it, but just to go, wow, it's amazing. I've learned so much from where I've been, where I'm at right now, and just smile and know. Smile and know. I love that. That'll be my next Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. So Oh, this is such a good discussion. Yeah. I love this. You know, I wanted to on this thing of theme of happiness, I also think like you're not too cool. Like I had, I had someone recently, uh, she's dating this guy and she was telling me, she was like, dude, and he, he does not downplay how excited he is to see me. Like, it's like days leading up. He's like three days till our dinner date or whatever. And it's like, 
hey, you're, he's not playing it cool. Like, and it's just like, man, life is short. Like if you're ex- like express it, but sometimes we're like, oh, I don't want them to think this or right. I want to act like I've been there before. Yes. And it's like, man, celebrate, like express your joy, smile and know. I love right. that. Smile and know, express <laughs> it. It's just like, it'd be amazing yeah. if everyone just did that, right? right? Because everyone doesn't, then it makes it harder for us to like trust and do it. But when it, it, it is the way to live. It is the way to fully yeah. live and be alive. And, um, Man, and our kids and our dogs show us that, right? Like, Kai, when she sees you, she's not playing a cool clip. Right. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Logan, when I'm cooking something, she's pumped about, she's dancing in the kitchen. It's just mm-hmm. like, your their bodies are, like, literally so excited and they're expressing it. And somewhere along the lines, we try and play it kind of cool. Try and play it kind of cool, right? And you're playing it cool. Just like, it, <laughs> yeah, just, it takes away your full experience of the moment, right? And I've totally experienced myself doing this plenty of times in life where I'm just like, I stay reserved and guarded. It's like, no, just if it makes you happier, makes you feel a certain way, fucking show it, right? Right. You know what? You know what I'm smiling about right now? It's uh, the book that we both read, Matthew McConaughey, Greenlight. Oh, yeah. He was taught. So when he was his authentic, true self in Mm -hmm. high school, Mm -hmm. he drove a pickup truck. Then he wanted to like get the girls and play yeah, cool. Yeah. So he got a new car. Right, right. The girls didn't like him anymore because right. he wasn't his he true wasn't self. His true he was self. trying to be cool. Yeah. So then he went back to the pickup truck and went back to his crazy and the, self and, the and, woo, and the girls came back, right? And so it's just like, <laughs> that is such an example of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And be true to yourself and like, don't play it cool and express your joy. Man, that's what the world needs. Totally. It really is. It really is. Before we jump off, I want to, I want to give a shout out to another, mm. uh, to another book, um, the Tuesdays with Maury, um, an old man, a young man, a life's greatest lesson. And this is about a professor who was, by the way, Key recommended uh, this book to me. And so thank you, Key. It was an amazing one. Um, uh, professor is dying of ALS. And so as he's withering away, right, he chooses to um, just continue to have people visit him the whole time and to, is to have one of his old students come back. And this last course is just about living, right? About living, but really about about like the process of dying and what it's like. And so every Tuesday, they call themselves Tuesday people, right? And so they share, he just shares and talks to them about the experience of it all and his thoughts and how it happens. And uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of amazing messages in the book and a lot of them overlap a lot of things with the things that we talked about today. But the, the strongest kind of like theme that comes from it is giving is living. And that he, he actually he exemplified this, right? So Maury, as he was as he was withering away and dying, he kept having visitors come to him, right? And all of these visitors said the whole time, right? They went there looking to provide comfort and support to him, and they left feeling comforted and supported by him. He opened himself up, had these conversations, and he stayed alive by connecting to people and listening to them and providing this to them and so he stayed alive until his last dying day through ALS by giving of himself in that way yeah so beautiful and so it's just it's a great reminder and like everything that we were talking about today to like have that spirit of like giving and what are we bringing to the world right as a way to feel more alive yeah and yeah Clint I need to read that book it's been on my list but I also think like as we wrap up man I encourage everyone to think about death yeah. We, we don't talk about it enough and it's this we're, uh, we're sitting here talking about you know regrets of the dying when they're on their deathbed but like think about death today and mm-hmm. if this was your last day how do you want to live and I, I think you know in our conversation with Lena she talks about bringing death 
into everyday life, like honoring the death of each moment, the leaves changing on the trees, parts of yourself that die. If there's someone in your life that's no longer with you, like having a picture of them somewhere in the home where you like honor them and it's a a visual to remind you how to live your life. But man, we're not going to be here forever. So if we can use that to inspire greater living, damn. Definitely. And I think I want to end by reading a quote from from Judith of Mori now as you were talking about that. He says, to know you're going to die and to be prepared for it at any time, that's a better way of living. That way you can actually be more involved in life while you're living. Do what the Buddhists do. Every day, have a little bird on your shoulder that asks, is today the day? Am I ready? Am I doing all I need to do? Am I being the person I want to be? All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. Um, If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends and family and join our Facebook community at The Space Between Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And you can follow us on Instagram at The Space underscore between podcasts. Um, We will see you on the path.